This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 746 with Erica Tebbins. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 746. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Erica Tebbins is a growth strategist for visionary entrepreneurs, leaders, and changemakers who are looking to make their mark doing things differently and leave a legacy of meaningful impact. She works with established service providers, consultants, and coaches to create customized growth plans without complex systems, sleazy sales tactics, or working more hours. Erica released her first book back on November 21st, our shared birthday. Yes, we were both born on the best day of the year. And her first book is called You've Got This, A Counterintuitive Guide to Powerful, Inevitable Changemaking. She's also the host of the Sell It Sister podcast. She firmly believes in the power of integrity-driven, connection-centered sales and marketing strategies that allow entrepreneurs to grow their businesses sustainably in a way that feels good to them. And she's passionate about helping women and gender expansive business owners grow their revenue with more ease because money has the power to make positive change. Now, she doesn't only work with entrepreneurs, so keep listening because this is going to apply to everyone. So she has nearly 20 years experience with working with successful businesses, running successful businesses, from running solo operations to multi-million dollar retail teams. She knows that there's no one perfect way to operate, only one that's perfectly aligned with your strengths 
values and vision, which is what we're talking about today. How do you show up in the world and be a change maker in a way that is perfectly aligned with your strengths, values, and vision, which is going to look different from one person to the next. So listening to hear Erica share how her book was inspired by people who were taking action after seeing her take action and the discomfort she has around quote unquote, being an inspiration to other people. How we settle and minimize our impact in the world when we underqualify ourselves over the course of our lives. How women can start to get over this notion that we have to be somebody to be qualified to be a change maker in the world. The importance of owning and honoring your stories in order to qualify yourself in powerful and perhaps more public ways. How life would be different if we normalize being deeply flawed people. Amen to that. How the smoke and mirrors of social media hold us back from being change makers and why you might need to be a little selfish if you want to be a change maker. So this is Erica's second time on the show. She has also come inside the Shameless Mom Academy to do some coaching for me more than one time. She's such a phenomenal leader and teacher and fabulous guest. This is a super fun conversation that is going to inspire you to be a change maker in whatever way is aligned with who you are. So if you want to stand for something, if you want to speak up, if you want to grow something, if you are like ready to make a movement in a way that is authentic to you, this is the episode for you. So with all that said, please welcome back to the Shameless Mom Academy, Erica Tebbins. Erica, welcome back to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here. I am so excited to not only be here, but to be back for a second time. This is awesome. I know. Oh my gosh. So fun. (laughs) And as I mentioned to you before we hit record, you're my third interview today, but my first interview is someone who is who I already know. So I was like, oh, this is just like hanging out with a friend. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. It's like your listeners will be listening in on like a private coffee chat amongst friends almost. Which we pretty much already <laughs> had, but don't yeah. worry. Like we will dig into <laughs> like, but I'm like, before we hit record, let me tell you all these things. So totally. we'll, bring, we'll, we'll bring some juice back into this conversation. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll, we'll yes. share some tea at some point. So tell me a little bit about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio right now? And then also what you're most excited about. Ooh, gosh. Okay. So lately I have been really into taking a whole heap of time for myself in the mornings, which I usually like ease into the day already before I start working. But I've like really extended that. Like I wake up and I read in bed and I'll like do a Peloton workout, do some journaling. Like it's a whole, it's a whole thing. And it it. feels very lovely and like such a gift to give myself. And then I'm just trusting that as long as I keep doing that, like everything else that's important will, it'll get done. It'll get taken care of. I love it. I saw this meme the other day which you might've seen, there was like, I'm going to need like 17 hours for my morning routine to get ready for my day in order to like, and one of them was like, before I go to work and another was like, before I have to mom for the day, but I'm like, yes. And especially if you have, for those people who have young kids, I'm Vinny's now 10. And I know you have, remind me how old your son, Jack is 18, 18. which so you're, is wild. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, so you're well out of this window, but I'm now into this window at age 10 where like I can have a pretty long morning routine if I want it because I don't have to do as nearly as much as I yeah. used to. So for people listening where you're like morning routine, rolling your eyes at us, <laughs> I promise like your time is coming. And it's so weird where you're like, I can just like take time for me in the morning. This is so weird. I don't have to like shout either help with everything or shout out endless instructions. <laughs> yes. I'm not like screaming about like, get your shoes on, get your shoes on. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Tell us what it's you're most very weird. Uh, 
And what are you most excited about right now? I am. Oh my gosh. So many things I would say personally, I'm excited to do some traveling this year and I'm hosting my first uh, retreat for my business Ooh. in like many years because of, you know, with pandemic yeah. and everything. And I moved right before the pandemic. So this summer it's, I think it's, you know, just going to be a really small affair here in Ann Arbor, Michigan, but I'm really excited about that. And then also I like professionally, I'm really excited for some of the refining that I'm doing in my business and also just to like, keep talking more about the book now that it's out and like the holidays are behind us and and all of that. So, yeah. Okay. So let's dig into the book. So the title of the book, go ahead and tell us the title. So the title is, and it's so funny. I always have to like, look at it just to be sure, because it's like, it's the tagline. I I always trip up on it. So, you know, I appreciate that. Like, I feel like this would be me where I'm like, hold on, let me look at my title of my own book. Just a minute. (laughs) I realize that sounds bananas, but you'll hear it's kind of like long. And so I always worry that I'm putting words out of order. It's this ADHD (laughs) thing, I think. So it's, you've got this, a counterintuitive guide to powerful, inevitable change making. I love it. So when you were here before, and the reason I said yes to the interview when you came on before Mm -hmm. was that you or someone on your team reached out and this was years ago now. And the message that I got was like, Hey, would you be interested in having Erica on the show? She is former, a former roller derby girl and also ran for political office and also (laughs) like spoke in front of Congress or something about like food insecurity for military people. And I was like, what, what, who is this person? Like, yes, obviously she needs to come on the show. So you are very familiar with being a change maker and challenging the status quo and like finding a message, a theme, a need and going after it and making sure that you're like getting exposure on, I was going to say hot topics, but more like hot button items. Can you talk a bit about what prompted the book and why this message is so needed right now? Yeah. So essentially people would always say to me when they would learn about those things, they would be like, A, how the heck did you do that? B, nine times out of 10, people would be like, either like, oh, I could never do that. Or they would be like, well, I might be able to do some of those things. But like, again, I don't know how I would do them. And the other thing is people would always be like, that's so inspiring. Or they would tell me that they were doing something that they like had decided to do because they were inspired by something they saw me do. And I was like, that's really weird. Like, that's awkward. Like I like you didn't set out to be an inspiration. I did not set out to be an inspiration. No. And it actually started to like ruffle my feathers in the sense, not like not the feedback. The feedback was always lovely. But it was like ruffling my feathers in the sense that I was like, y'all, I am not that special. Like, I know, I know I'm loved. (laughs) I know I'm like a cool person, whatever, but I am not, I'm no unicorn. I mean, I just freaking like, I have to look at my book title to remember. I wrote a book and I don't have the title map, right? (laughs) Like, I'm kind of, I'm not, I'm certainly not perfect, right? I'm not a super, superhuman person. And so, I was realizing that what people, the assumption that people were making really smart, qualified, capable, amazing, brilliant, talented humans that would say this to me, the assumption they were making is I am not good enough 
to do those things. And meanwhile, I'm like, the world is a disaster. We need you to do these things. Please do them. Like, I promise you, you are more than qualified right now. Just go after it. So I spent three years and wrote this book. (laughs) Oh, I love this message. And I have to say, this is something that like took a minute to sink in with me. So you, I think were the, I'm almost positive. You were the first person I ever interviewed who'd run for political office. But since now I've done like probably three, if not four others, since you shared your story. And I think that even when you talked about it, I was like, okay, yeah, but still I could never do that. And then like, I talked to another person and I was like, Okay. Yeah. But that's just like, sounds hard and scary. By the time I got to the third person, I was like, okay, so anyone can run for political office (laughs) and not to like say that to be diminishing you, but like it took a minute for it to sink in. Like if I want to run for political office, I can just go run for political office. Now that doesn't mean it's not really hard and maybe scary and intimidating and whatever, but it sometimes takes hearing a message or seeing someone near something to you or multiple people, multiple people near something to you multiple times before you're like, Oh wait, I actually am qualified. Like we're so quick to disqualify ourselves. And especially if it's something that's like counterculture or, or something that we haven't been socialized around, like women running for office, for example, that we're like, Oh, well she could do that. But like, I mean, I'm not like that, or I couldn't, or I I'm not ready or qualified, what have you. And so it's interesting hearing what you're saying. And then also thinking through kind of my own thought process of how many times I had to see and hear someone talk about this in in in-depth interviews that I hosted to be like, (laughs) Oh, I guess I totally could do that thing. Yes. I'm not saying I want to, but (laughs) yes. And like, that is the thing really of like, I think what it comes down to, I actually have an entire chapter that is titled qualify yourself Mm -hmm. because of this very reason. And like, that is the thing that happens, right? Is especially for women or, you know, anyone that has been historically, you know, and purposefully underrepresented in these different, you know, roles and spaces that we just immediately jump to, well, it couldn't possibly be me, right? It has to be somebody who is smarter or who's done more. And actually, I will give a shout out to, I don't know, have you read Playing Big by Tara Moore? No, but I'm, I've heard her name a number mm-hmm. of times. So I read that book many, many years ago and had the pleasure of actually meeting her in 2018. And I like that book was super transformative for me because I think I read it in like early 2017 and I was going through a transitional period of my life then. And she has a lot of like case studies and real world examples of the most brilliant and um, successful women who were like, oh, I want to go for this, you know, huge promotion, or I want to start this nonprofit or whatever. And how they just kept being like, well, I think I need to go back to school or I need to get this certificate or I need to work for three more years or whatever. Really quick. (laughs) Yeah. And I literally thought I was like, if these people who are miles ahead of me in life still think that they're unqualified, like there's no hope. I will never catch up. I just have to start doing things and like seeing what comes of it, even though it's really scary because like, I do not have enough time or energy or resources to possibly like go to school for that many more decades to even get to their level. And they still are doubting themselves. So I'm like, okay, we're just like, let's just try stuff. So yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. 
love all that and so agree with it. It's so interesting, this idea that, again, the socialization of women that we're always behind everyone else. Like we see anything that anyone else has done that we haven't done yet. And we're like, oh, I'm so behind, like, and that I can't catch up. And like that sense of defeat or failure, and then maybe a sense of urgency, like I should try to catch up. And I'm now I'm getting like mad at the patriarchy in my, yeah, <laughs> per, usual. Totally. Um, per usual. I want to, so you mentioned qualifying oneself, which is something I talk about so much on the show and one of my favorite topics. And it's really interesting. I actually was just in a, leading a training the other day. And at the end of the training, we were talking about resiliency and we were talking about goals for 2023. And it was really interesting to see the things that people qualified themselves to do as their kind of big, I'm putting in air quotes, but their big goals for 2023. And some of the things that women shared, I was like, you're thinking so small, like, I really need to do some, I need to organize my house. And I'm like, well, great. Sure. Fantastic. But like, oh my God, I know you have so much to offer the world. Like Mm -hmm. what's the other goal? Can there be like, what's sitting next to organizing your house? Because I don't want that to be like the only goal. And if that brings peace and happiness and that feels right for you right now, I also don't want to be like critical and judgmental around that, but I don't want there to be a limit that one puts on oneself that that's the extent of the goal or what's possible for any given year. And I think that that piece, that's where it gets tricky is that we sometimes have these pretty subconscious limits that we put on ourselves. And then we decide to organize our houses instead of running for political office. Yes. Or even like, you know, I mean, gosh, there's so many things like it could be, you know, writing a book, right? Like that is, that is one, like writing a book. It could be, you know, serving on your like, I don't local library board. It could be, I don't even know, just starting like a, a winter coat collection drive that you only do, you know, for a few months a year. Like it doesn't have to even be a monumental thing, like running for office. Right. But it's so, even though, you know, that is important too, but like, I think that even those other things, we are so quick to be like, Ooh, I don't know. I don't think it can be me or we get too overwhelmed in what all the steps might be. And then it just becomes easier to be like, well, I know it's possible that in 365 days I can organize my house. So Mm, I'll just do that. And then, yeah. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, 
IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explained. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. I appreciate you pointing out like it doesn't have to be like the spectrum doesn't have to or the options don't have to be like organizing your house or political office. There's a lot in the middle. (laughs) Yeah, tons in the middle. So many things in the middle. I do want to talk about when we're in the process of qualifying ourselves. There's this notion that we have to quote unquote be somebody and being somebody can mean a lot of different things. It's interesting I grew up, I went to private schools with a lot of kids with a lot of money. And I always had the sense that like these kids were somebody because a lot of their parents Mm -hmm. were somebody. And I disqualified myself from a lot of things because I didn't think I had like the social clout. And in my mind that counted for something, it didn't really actually at Mm -hmm. all, but in my mind it did. And I think that that held me back a lot early on in terms of what I thought, what I saw as possible for myself in terms of a career and, and being a leader um, for sure. 
And that's definitely shifted over the years. So how can we get over this notion that we have to be somebody, be qualified to be a change maker? Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned your high school because my high school was very similar. And I mean, you can see me. I have blue hair and I've in the whole time you've known me, my hair is always changing colors. And that's I have like very... the most exciting part about getting on Zoom with you is like, well, who's showing up? Pink hair, who's gonna be... blue hair. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I have like very visible like piercings and tattoos and stuff like I'm, I'm a bit of a misfit. And I've all I've kind of always been that way, even when I couldn't like visually have that at my very strict high school with our dress code. But like, I always felt a bit like, you know, I didn't fit in. I didn't have that clout. Yeah. I was like a a bit of an outsider. And I think that there is a lot, like we need more of those people because they bring different perspectives to all of the arenas of life. And I think that it really comes down to Kind of like you were saying, as you've interviewed people who run for office, you realize like, oh, hang on. Okay, maybe I could do this. So even if you don't have anyone in your immediate communities that you can point to as like, oh, they've done it, so I can too, just get curious. See if you can find other people from similar backgrounds or who look kind of like you or, you know, believe what you do, hold your values, anything like that, that have done really amazing things. And then use that as proof to yourself that it can be you too, because nine times out of 10, a lot of those people that we are like most impressed by are not the people who were the rich kids at the private schools who, you know, like, I don't know, like they, a lot of those people don't go on to necessarily lead shiny, impressive lives. Like they might make a lot of money and have like a solid career or whatever, but like, they're not always necessarily running for office either. And so I think Maybe when you think of people, interesting stories or like the most dynamic. Yes, exactly. Path. Like it's, it's just, or like, yeah, like if they do, it might just be like, oh, it's just one, it's like the next step on the rung mm-hmm. of what their families decided ahead of time for them was just like the culture of their family. But like, I think why we're so impressed by people like Oprah is like, she had all of these hurdles to overcome on her way to being the Oprah that we know now. And so if you can show to your brain, oh, see, people can start from these with like a ton of obstacles ahead of them and still do something really great, then I absolutely could too. Like it doesn't, and doesn't mean you have to even strive to be like the next Oprah, but just whatever it is that you want to do, at least give yourself a fair shot at it. Totally. This reminds me of early on when I was hosting the show, um, I was, one of the pitches I got was from a woman who wanted to come on and talk about self-care and moms. And like, it's like every single pitch I get is something along those lines. And Mm -hmm. so the pitch itself did not stand out at all. And, but then I was reading her bio and her bio said something about how she had become a mom, a teen mom and had experienced homelessness a few different times early on in motherhood. And I remember being like, Oh, that's what I want to talk about. Like, that's what makes you somebody. I don't care about like your three steps to better self-care for moms. (laughs) Like that doesn't make you somebody. What makes you somebody is that that's what you've endured, that like you actually didn't have all the resources. You didn't have this like straight linear path that someone paved for you. 
but that you created this path for yourself in spite of these obstacles. Let's come on the show and talk about that. (laughs) Yes. um, Like let's frame the conversation there. Like make being somebody in air quotes again, like make it be about what makes you interesting and dynamic and different and outstanding. And then also like having the, um, the confidence to find those pieces of yourself, self-identify them and share them with the world. And so yes, to not overlook those hard things or dismiss those hard things or hide those hard things, but to highlight them and amplify them as qualifiers for whatever it is you want to go after. Yes, absolutely. And that, that is such a crucial component is like digging within yourself to see, to really give yourself credit for all of the things that you have overcome. And also not in a sense that, um, you know, not everything has to be a rags to riches story. Like it's also valid if you had a pretty comfortable upbringing and, you know, all the privileges, like there's a really good chance that like all of those folks have things that are interesting about them that they've overcome to um, passions that they want to go after. Like we all have these nuanced, really interesting parts of ourselves that are super unique to us and our lived experience and how we see the world. And all of those viewpoints are valid and they all matter. And also Mm -hmm. like you never know. Okay. So it's weird when people are like, you, how did you, how did you testify before like members of Congress? Like, that's so strange. And I'm like, I know it was strange. I used to think that the only reason people testified is because they were in trouble for something. Like I, that's only what you see on like the news. I feel like is when yeah. somebody's done something wrong and they have to like testify before members of Congress. But what had led to it was several years before there was some NPR article about snap benefits And I shared it on my Facebook and I put a thing in there about how, about like when I was pregnant and my son was little and being active duty military and we received government assistance. And a friend of mine who worked with an organization called Mazone, she reached out and was like, can we share your story? They're working on this. They're working to like close this snap loophole with military families. And then like, a couple of years went by and nothing happened. And then all of a sudden on Christmas Eve, she called me and was like, in three weeks, can you come to DC and give testimony? And I was just like, okay, I guess. But like, literally it was not all I was doing was sharing like this sucky, horrible thing happened that yeah. shouldn't happen. And like, yes, I give you permission to like use me as a personal story to hopefully get the laws changed. Like yeah. I never could have anticipated all of the things that would come after that. Right. Right. I think that we can be hesitant to share our stories and sometimes rightfully so, because not everyone is a safe person or place to be shared with. But I think we miss so many opportunities for our stories to be connectors. And that's a great example of a story being a connection to another person who's part of a bigger movement or with a different, you know, with a mission. And I think we underestimate the how much people want to hear our stories and how much people then see us as leaders and see us as people with more power when we do when we do share our stories when we do share that 
I came from this thing or this thing happened to me or, and this can, you know, this can be coming from, like you said, it doesn't necessarily have to be a rags to riches thing. It can be like in my situation, like infertility or having anxiety or whatever the thing is, but sharing these pieces with ourselves connects us to people in so many ways we can never anticipate. And this, when we went through infertility, I really saw this the first time I shared with no one, the second time I shared with everyone in the whole world. And the second time, like just having so many people rally around and share stories was this experience that was so powerful and comforting and moving and made it so different than the first time. And I was able to see how the power of connection, when we decide to open up just a little bit and be like, I went through this hard thing, or I'm going through this hard thing. And then just putting it out there and letting people hold space for that can lead to really, really incredible moments. And it can also lead to, it gives other people permission to be the same, to do the same, which leads to being a change maker. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that like it's when we share our stories, whatever they may be, it allows people going back to the, like having to be somebody like, I think it can normalize the fact that we all have something in us that we feel like maybe is like a deep flaw or a deep, like sorrow or that we messed up or did wrong, you know, or whatever that is actually like a lot of times when we can be vulnerable about that. Like, it's like almost like this great, like equalizer and this great, like relief because it's like, oh yeah, it's not just me like suffering on my own. It's like, no, we, like, we all have stuff that we are dealing with or have dealt with that has really shaped all of the rest of our life that comes after those moments. You just said normalize being deeply flawed. And I'm like typing frantically because (laughs) I'm like, how would I show up differently? And I'm asking our listeners to think the same thing. Like, how would we show up differently if we normalize being deeply flawed? We just fully admit it, especially if you're like a control freak, perfectionistic type A kind of person like me, where you're like, I don't want everyone to think that like, I don't have it all under control. What if we just normalize being deeply flawed? And we walked yes. around like wide open being deeply flawed. <laughs> totally. Yes. Cause I will kind of like how you said with infertility, the first time you told nobody, the second time you told everybody. So when I was actually going through those financial struggles, I didn't want to tell anybody. And because in my mind, I was like, oh, well, I went to this, you know, this college prep high school, which then set me up to go to a private college and I did really well. And then went into grad school, like I was checking all of the boxes that I had been enculturated to believe were like, this makes, these are right and they're good. And it will make you like a smart, respectable, like adult that has her life together and can support herself and her family and like everything else will just be adult life. Right. And all of a sudden I was, I had done all of that. And all of a sudden I was, I got married really quickly and then I was pregnant and I moved to another state and I dropped out of my master's program and I quit teaching. Like it was, I like basically blew up my life and all of a sudden I was struggling with money And I felt very much like, well, I can't, I can't talk about this because I've clearly done this to myself. I have done something bad and shameful to myself. I didn't stay in the lane that I was supposed to. And 
like, and also like none of my friends were having kids or getting married. Like I was the first one. So like, they're all still hanging out and doing fun, young adult post-college stuff. And meanwhile, I'm like, oh, my life is in shambles. Like, I don't, I don't want to talk to them about that. So I felt very lonely and very Mm -hmm. much like it was my fault. And only with like time and space to look back, I was like, wait a minute. No, this is super messed up. Like if you're an active duty military family, like you should make enough to support your basic necessities like food and like, oh, I'm actually not alone here, but I was in a safer position because we were no longer attached to the military that Mm -hmm. I could use my voice on behalf of other people who were still struggling, even though we, we weren't. And that felt very like healing for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that makes so much sense. I want to talk a little bit about smoke and mirrors around (laughs) the internet streets and social media. I think there's a lot of well, not, I think I know, I know there's a lot of smoke and mirrors. We talked about this a little bit. This is where we get to the juice, the tea. Yes. (laughs) I think that we can all acknowledge there's a lot of smoke and mirrors on social media. And there's a lot of things that make it look like certain people are really successful and have it all figured out. And it's always very beautiful in their lives. And it's families with matching outfits on beaches (laughs) and all the things. Um, I want to talk about what it does to people when it looks like everyone has it figured out or people appear to be ridiculously successful in various ways and how that puts limits on other people. And so often it's self-imposed limits, but we, I think sometimes, not sometimes, I think often when we see the glamour of, of social media, we put limits on ourselves. And it, instead of it seeing helping, especially for women, I think instead of it helping us see what could be possible, I think it makes things feel less possible. Yeah. I actually, even though it was hard to have a baby and what I felt was young, so my son was born in 2004. So this was very pre like heavy social media yeah. usage. And I am actually so grateful for that because I had nothing to feel like I was that behind in. And I think now, like, I honestly don't know how people can keep up with it. Like even just simple things like the pressure of like, when you have a newborn that every month you're supposed to take this, like, amazingly curated, aesthetic, beautiful photo, like for the gram. Like I just, I literally like my ADHD, like scatteredness. I like, I would have failed so bad with that. Um, (laughs) So kudos to anyone who like loves it and embraces it. And you're like, it's easy, you know, but like for me, it would not have been easy. And I think that the reality is, is that, you know, we only have so much life in us. And for some more than others, based on all, you know, all of the factors, right? Now that my son is 18, I can very clearly in hindsight be like, here's what mattered most. And very rarely it was anything that would be like proving we were a perfect family on social media, right? Right. Or trying to like impress anyone or uh, seem like we have it all together or anything like that. Um, and so I think that it's important to really think about like 
choosing your own values. Actually, okay, here's a perfect way that this ties in with the book. So the book starts with an unlikely place, which is choosing how you want your life to look and feel first. So rather than just being like, oh my gosh, I have to sign up and volunteer for all of these things, you know, whatever. It's not about that. It's how do you want your days, weeks, months, years to look like really to look, what do you deeply value? Like, what do you love? What lights you up? Like it's all about starting with yourself first. And I would say that the more that we can do this in, you know, our mom lives in our, you know, like how we show up and present ourselves to others, like, and use that as the filter with how we choose to make decisions, what we say yes and no to like what our boundaries are, you know, all like all of those really important things and the stuff that you talk a lot about with your folks as well. Then I think it takes the sting out when you see people planning like these elaborate birthday parties, like themed birthday parties or taking these like incredible vacations or just doing whatever that sure. You might be able to be like, I would like a really nice vacation one day. Like, let's try to figure out a way to make that happen. But I think it takes the sting out of it because you can remember like, okay, but what are the things we are choosing to do or to say yes and no to and why, right? Like, no, we might not be having big elaborate, like birthday parties for the gram or, you know, for whatever to feel like that's because it's what our kids need to show that we love them or, you know, But instead, like, what are we going to do with our time and energy and money that we save from not doing that? Like, what are we choosing instead of that, that actually is more in alignment with like our family values and like the legacy we personally want to leave our kids? I think that's so important. And also to just know that like, like, listen, you and I know people who are very, truly successful and also Mm -hmm. like outwardly successful and inwardly there's always messiness Mm -hmm. there is never perfection there are people with thriving seven eight figure businesses in unhappy marriages Mm -hmm. or who can't conceive or you know are dealing with chronic health issues you know like the whole there's there's always something there that we are not seeing. And sometimes like, even just to give some people the benefit of the doubt, like sometimes people aren't showing that be not just to like maintain their image, but because like to preserve their own like privacy or energy or whatever, to not have to field questions about it. Yeah, absolutely. I, Love the idea of kind of as a means of self-talk when you were talking about knowing your values and knowing like what you're going to say yes to and what you're going to say no to. And maybe you're going to say no to the monthly baby photos or what have you. When you're scrolling social media or you see something and you have that like, oh, that gut feeling that's like immediately makes you feel like you're not enough because you see something that someone else has said or done or is representing in a photo. And to look at that and be like, oh, that's, that's just not my yes. And to mm-hmm. recognize like that might be their yes. That's not my yes. So like family photos and matching outfits, that's not my yes. Christmas cards is one for us. Like we don't do Christmas cards and every year we get everyone else's really cute Christmas cards. And I'm like, oh, maybe we should start doing Christmas cards. But then I'm like, how do I make up for like the 
all the years we've never done Christmas cards if we yeah. start now. Like it feels like a monumental task. I can't just like start doing it this year out of nowhere. And I'm like, but what if I just was like, well, that's not my yes. There's other things I yeah. say yes to. That's not my yes. And like this neutral objective, like that's not my yes. I have other yeses, but that one's not my yes. And that's someone else's yes. And cool. <laughs> totally. I absolutely love this. Like definitely. Like if you're listening, put that on a post-it note, put it where you will see it all the time. I'm I'm like going to make a note and do a whole episode about this. (laughs) Please do. Please do. Because this is like, I actually have, there's a chapter in the book that it's, it's all about your yes and your no, right. Your change making yes. And your no, and it goes right into this because while it might seem to the world that like, I'm saying yes to all of these things, there is so much that I say no to. And a lot of the times, like my yeses and nos don't always come. Like sometimes it means other sacrifices or things mm-hmm. like I, after my son finished first grade, I pulled him and we homeschooled him and saying yes to that meant I had to say no to a lot of other stuff. And it also meant that for a while, like I had to field a lot of judgment from a lot of people, but I was able to do it even when it was not comfortable because my yes to homeschooling, to like opting out of a public school system that was like destroying my child was more important to me than all of the other stuff. Right. And so I think that that is really, it's important to like contextualize in there too, is that like even running for office, like I truly don't know how people campaign for like 18 months at a time. My campaigning window was seven weeks and I was dead tired and done by the end of it. And I had to like call in a lot of help and stuff too. Like it was saying yes to that. Like it meant that my weekends were kind of not mine for those next few weeks. And I was going to be really busy, but it was important enough for me to say yes to. Yeah. This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earnin can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps show support for our show and our advertisers. 
Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wannabe Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. I want to talk a little bit about selfishness around being a change maker. And this maybe is even like a continuation of like choosing to say yes to certain things. And then that by default means you're saying no to other things. Can you talk a little bit about why selfishness might be a condition of change, being a change maker and why that can be a good thing? Like, I don't think, and for those who don't know, the show actually was originally called for 48 hours. The shameless mom Academy was called the selfish mom Academy. And then we oh, ran I never into knew a, that. Oh yeah. We ran into a trademarking issue. It was really fun and expensive and with a very, not very friendly fellow woman business owner. Uh, so we changed the name very quickly, but I embrace this notion around being selfish and especially for women and moms. And so can you talk about wh- how that connects to change making? Yeah. So I have a whole chapter in the book about reclaiming selfishness. Because I think a lot of times women and especially moms, because, you know, realistically, there are so many things that we do have to tend to and sacrifice and and things like that. But I think that we also bear this burden, this like really unfair burden that when we are saying like when we even entertain the notion that we won't do that what comes up and often sneakily from some of the people who are closest to us and like well-meaning in our lives is this notion of like, well, that's just selfish, right? I would even say people who like, let's say you don't want to have multiple kids. How many times have people had like an in-law or their own parent or somebody who says, well, that's, don't you think that's selfish to your one kid? They're not going to have any siblings, right? And it's like totally skipping over, like, what is your personal agency in all of this? Like, what do you want? What do you desire, right? It's just like, oh, that's selfish. Or like, oh, we're thinking about getting a divorce. Oh, well, don't you think that's like kind of selfish? Because like, what? wait till your kids are grown, right? Like, or, you know, whatever it is, right? Like, I think I want to stay home. Well, that's kind of selfish, because like, you're going to stay home with your kids, but like you, we paid all this money for you to go to college. And now you're just going to like, let that go to wait. Right. It's like, it's these things come up all the time. Yeah. And sometimes often it's our own inner voice as well. Right. It doesn't even have to come externally. We just view situations of us choosing different yeses and different nos. And one of the first things that bubbles up 
is, well, if, if you do that, that's just selfish. Right. And so I think it's important to actually examine, like, is that selfish? Is it really selfish? Like, what does that, what does that mean? And like, Mm -hmm. is it truly deeply selfish or is it choosing something that gets you closer to what matters most to you, maybe even just for a season of your life? And then understanding that like, not everyone has to sign off on that. Like you also just get to write your own permission slip is really, is really vital. Absolutely. I think that where being selfish gets stigmatized is because it's the opposite of being good. And women are conditioned that they should be good. And I'm putting good in air quotes. And so you can't be good. Yeah. You're not being good if you're being selfish and society tells us that not being good might be the worst thing that a woman could do that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so, and if you're an Enneagram one, this is a huge struggle. (laughs) So I think that it's right. Hold space right up against, like you're having to pick, like, am I going to be selfish or am I going to be good? And if I'm doing the thing that's selfish, then I'm doing the thing that society looks like I'm societally looks like I'm not being quote unquote good. And then I'm going to have to answer to that because Mm -hmm. people will say or think certain things about it. And then I'm, will I have to, will I choose to, will I want to defend it? And then is it worth it? And like, that's a lot, that can be a lot to carry. Mm -hmm. And I think that like, especially for women and for moms, when often like we're not even on our own to-do list or at the bottom. It's like mm-hmm. that if we get to it, I get to be on the to-do list because I'm trying to be good and selfless right. by right. tending to all of these other things. Right. And I think it makes it extra sticky when we amongst ourselves like uphold what is good and what is bad because like not for nothing, but if you like somebody listening might be like, oh yeah, I'm deciding to opt out of helping out with the PTA. And like, there legitimately might be people who remain in the PTA who talk about you behind your back about how you're selfish that you decided not to help out anymore. Like that's a very real fear, right? It's that fear of like losing connection with people when it just becomes easier to be like, okay, I'll suck it up and I'll take the volunteer shift. Then worry that like your friends might be saying horrible things about you behind your back. Yeah. Rather than analyzing why does schools rely on women's unpaid labor to begin with, but that's a whole other topic. Totally. Totally. (laughs) That's so funny that you bring up the PTA thing, because I was actually thinking of an example I was going to offer before you said that related to the PTA. So I'm co-chairing the parent association. I did it last year. I'm doing it again this year. And my co-chair is actually a dad, which is so cool. But what's been so interesting to me and a challenge for me and like eye-opening around setting boundaries is that non-traditionally my co-chair, the dad says yes to everything. And initially in our terms co-chairing last year, I was like, I can't keep up. Like I can't have my job. I can't have my business if I say yes to all the stuff that he says yes to. But I'm also the person who like in a group project from the day I was born would like take charge of the group, lead the group, do more than everybody else. And like, keep track to make sure that I was doing more than everybody else. So that if anyone says I wasn't doing enough, I could like show them the data to show that I was doing more than everyone else. 
So the then be the co-chair who was consistently doing way less <laughs> was like a total ego check. And I had to be like over the course of our few, first few months together last year, I had to recognize like, he's going to say yes to way more things than I can say yes to. And I have to recognize that I can only do this role if I am really clear on here's what I can do and here's what I can't do. And I still, now we know we're a year and a half into this and we, I adore him and we have this great working relationship and we laugh now because I'm like, okay, so here's the task and here's like the 30% I can do you, which I will say very clearly. And then I'm like, so for the other 70%, I say, pick what you want to do. And the rest doesn't get done. Often he chooses to do the whole other 70%. And I'm like, I can't be responsible for that. Like, yeah, we could each do 30% and let 40% be find other people to do 40% or just not do 40% or whatever. But like, if you want to pick up that extra 70, cool. That's not my yes right now. (laughs) And I, that's been so weird for me because I've never been in that situation. And it's been humbling and eye-opening, but it's also been really good to just like consistently be like, yes, I'm only doing this part. (laughs) Yes. That feels so freeing. Like it's not even my life. And I feel like freed by that. So yes, that's such a good example. Yeah. It's a weird notion. And, but yeah, it does get back to that like whole unpaid labor. And I have definitely like in the last six months of our time together, as school events and things come up and they need people last minute for stuff and they'll like put out asks And I have this initial like gut instinct, like, oh, I should try to help like with everything, because that's just how I've shown up in my whole life for 47 years. And then I'm like, no, hold on. This is not my yet. Like this needs to be someone else's yes, because you know what? There's like 500 some parents at the school. So I don't need to say like, just because I got the email does not mean that I need to be. Totally. Uh, And I think for, for people like you and I, cause I'm very much the like, oh, somebody needs me like here, let me, let me jump in and and help out kind of a thing, which like, I've gotten a lot better in the last few years about just being aware and like slowing down my yes or my no. Uh, but there is like, I feel like there's that immediate impulse of like the right thing to do in this situation is to jump in and be like, how can I help? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let you just tell me whatever you need from me. I'll just, you know, I'll just do it. And it's like, yeah, that's not, that's and not there's sustainable. A, there's like a little bit of a rush when like we feel needed. And then when yeah. we show up and we do the thing and we're like, look, I did the thing. Like you needed me and I did it. Like, look, did you, would you like to express some gratitude toward me? <laughs> totally, <laughs> so, totally. And so to recognize, cause here's, I think like the really important take-home message as we start wrapping this up is that when we do that, the cost then is that we're often don't have the time, energy, capacity to say yes to the things that really, really matter or the things that are actually moving the needle or that are actually like the change maker things. And so if I say yes to like volunteering at recess duty, then I might not be able to say yes to like going and sitting in on the meeting that's going to like impact school policy. So if I can only have one yes, like what's my yes going to be. And so for me recognizing if I'm going to be in this role, these are the things I'm going to say yes to, because I want my legacy in this role to be a certain thing or, and this could be whether it's in my school job or my parent association job, or if it's in the shameless mom Academy, like my inbox is full of people that want to come be guests on the podcast. And I'm like picking and choosing really carefully because I only have time for certain conversations. Yeah. I could have a five day a week interview podcast if I wanted to. And instead I'm like, no, cause the cost of that 
would be that I couldn't be doing some of these other things that are creating change in other ways. And so really being, having discernment, which you and I think talked about before we hit record, I think I used the word discernment, but I think that some people, sometimes people, especially in this day and age of social, with social media and everything, we don't have the, the discernment to recognize this yes is going to be a cost and this is going to be the expense. And then therefore, yeah. does that make sense for me? Yes. I'll and let that's- you take that and take us home. <laughs> no, but okay. So this is so, it's so perfect. It's like we planned it, but we did not plan it. But that was the perfect <laughs> setup for, because you mentioned the recess duty or sitting in on the meeting. And that again, going back to like, yes, we all have so much capacity. We all have so much life in us different people, different, different amounts of life and capacity and everything. Right. So it is not important for everyone to be doing recess duty or for everyone to be sitting in at the policy meeting. I am like you, I would rather go to a policy meeting than monitor recess. However, there are plenty of people who would absolutely find so much joy and fulfillment in the exact opposite, right? They would be bored to tears at the policy meeting (laughs) and love the recess duty. And that is why it matters that we find our own yes, that we start with ourselves and figure out what kinds of change or things that we can do in the world are not only just going to make the biggest difference because, I mean, we can look around like we we cannot spread ourselves thin. There are too many problems. If each of us tries to tackle everything that we care about, it's impossible. We will burn ourselves into a crisp so fast. So it's finding those top things and ways that for you, not your bestie, not the person you like to follow on Instagram, not you know your sister or whoever else, but for you right now in this season of your life, what is it that you want to do that will be that full body hell yes? And then just let everything else, like let it all go without judgment as much as possible. I know that's difficult, but like that is the way we make change is not by forcing ourselves into doing the things that feel like an uphill battle. If monitoring recess feels easy and fun, freaking sign up for that. Do it please unapologetically please, they need all you. the time. <laughs> yeah. They need you like, yes. Yeah. And also like going back to like the big shiny grandiose and the, you know, all of that. And that counts. Like yes. I am here to tell you that count. the world needs women running for office in the same identical way that it needs women who will be recess monitors. Both, neither one is better than the other. They are different and they both count. The negotiations that you do with small children at recess, it's its whole own policy making. (laughs) I would literally rather knock on doors in like 15 degree temperatures, telling people to vote for me for months on end than do a single recess duty. I guarantee you. (laughs) My husband did it for, did recess duty for a year. And I was like, oh my God, that sounds terrifying. Like every time you come home, I'm like, oh my God, I can't, I'm way too controlling. Like I can't. (laughs) <laughs> I can't um, oh do my it. gosh, Erica, this has been so good. So fun. Okay. So tell people 
where they can find you, where they can get the book. Tell us the title again, read it right off the cover of the book. Read it right off Um, the cover of the book. (laughs) It's you've got this, a counterintuitive guide to powerful, inevitable change-making. And you can actually download the first copy for free. Wait, the first Erica, copy, or first chapter. I mean, sorry, the first chapter. Thank okay. you, thank you. You can download the first chapter for free at ericatebbins.com forward slash book. And there, you know, you can check it out. You can see if it resonates, if you, you know, want to get your own copy, all of those things. And if you just go to Amazon, wherever, whatever country you're in, it should be available all over the world. If you just type in Erica Tebbins and the title, uh, even if just Erica Tebbins, you've got this, it'll pop right up and you will see it there. And there's the Kindle version and there is a paperback version and it will be, yeah, it'll be sent right to you and you can enjoy it. And is there an audiobook? Not yet. Was there, but I'm, I'm hoping at some point so, okay. So I, I self-published this, which I mean, you like, Amazing. it, it, it costs a, a bit, it cost a bit to get it to how I wanted it to be bringing in other supports and experts to help me. Um, and so similarly in audiobook also cost a bit, I, I would be, I, I would be fronting the money for it. So I, my plan is, is that in the future, I actually want, cause there's some questions in here that folks can use as journaling questions and go back mm. to again and again. So I want a like workbook, like a standalone journal, and then also an audiobook. But those are those are future plans. So love it. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh my goodness. Okay. So I'm gonna link to everything in the show notes. That's um so people go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Erica Tebbins. It's Erica with a K and then Tebbins is T-E-B-B-E-N-S, but we'll have it all linked up in the show notes. And then last question for you, how are you currently showing up as a shameless mom? Oh gosh, probably in the way that, okay, so my son is 18. We are waiting to hear back from one final college about Mm -hmm. whether he got in or not because he did early action for several. Um, And I am just releasing the outcome. I am not stressing about it. I am not like, yeah, I'm not losing any sleep over it. I trust that wherever he's meant to be, is where he will end up. And I'm just kind of letting him, uh, I don't know, get, get ready to like go out into the world, which feels very weird that in just a few months I will be an empty nester. Like I cannot wrap my head around it, but yeah. (laughs) I mean, luckily you have your new morning routine to fill half your day. So (laughs) I do, I do have my morning routine to fill half my day. I totally do. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. And I forgot to mention too, if anyone wants to come by and say hi to me, the, the place I hang out most is Erica Tebbins consulting on Instagram. I love being my weird and and wild self on over on the gram over there. So like literally come say, hi, I'm a total extrovert. I love meeting new people. So I would, I would love to meet new shameless mom listeners. I love it. I will link to your Instagram as well. Oh my goodness, Erica. Thank you. Thank you for being here when you write the next book or when you release the audiobook. whatever, you can come back and we'll talk some more. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Oh, and I didn't, we didn't even, there's just a, a, a I think it's on page 55. So mm-hmm. as you're all reading the book, there's a reference to a group and somebody was talking about, should I get a house, you know, somebody to clean, help me clean my house? Will I be exploitative? And I write about this like um, conversation that transpired 
that is the one and only Sarah Dean that I'm referring to. It was in her oh, Facebook that- group. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's like a secret shout out. It's like an Easter egg. So now you all know, totally. like when you get to that part, it's her. I love yeah. it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Erica, thank you so much. This was so much fun. Thank you for being my fun friend interview to cap off this day. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.